Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. Yeah, we are. Today we are diving deep into episode 118. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> there are a whole lot there's a whole lot happening in this episode, which I feel like I probably say every time, but it's just true. But it's the truth. <laughs> My emotions are everywhere from this yeah. episode. Yeah. I mean, everywhere. This one is uh yeah, really good. And Maybe this will come out later, but I'll say it now, just in case I forget to say it later. Something that was different about this episode, it's probably the first time where Brian himself doesn't have a central story. Mm-hmm. All the other, well, some of the other characters do, but he does not. And it's more like he's providing the commentary yeah. on other, what other people have going on. Absolutely. He provides like the differing opinion or the, you know, sometimes the the middle, middle of the road opinion. But um, yeah, uh, so I thought that was very interesting and very neat that we get to see we're not looking at this from his eyes it's absolutely from his eyes and what's going on with him and in his life we're looking at the other people yeah and he's just getting to react kind of like us absolutely because normally we always get brian's perspective right you know and mm-hmm. it like you said it's something different it was something new something fresh um he was able to be off and look from different eyes and give his own opinions. Yeah, and we got that exactly. We got to see him not just giving snarky comments on what other people have going on, but we which we've get we've had glimpses of that, but never a full episode that he was able to sit back and just do that, observe mm-hmm. what's going on in everyone else's life around him mm-hmm. because it's pretty much been about what's going on with him. I mean, other people have had storylines too, but in this one like I said, he doesn't really have his own. Correct. Yeah. All right, so let's dive into it. We are going to start uh Right at the beginning, and they open up at Babylon, and there's a theme night. There's always some theme night at Babylon. I love this theme here. Yeah, that cowboy popping, <laughs> magic mic feel. Yeah. Like, it was good. <laughs> Assless chaps. I'm here for it, okay? Yeah, they went all in on this theme. <laughs> they really did. Uh, and so, in addition to that, we also get our guys, and they're all dancing together. And I love it. I mean, you see them just having fun with each other. Yep. They feel just... It looks like they've really gelled together. I mean, Mm because Justin is right there with them. But not even just him being in with the group. Even um, Ted and Emmett. Ted and Emmett and how they gelled with Brian. And so it just really seems like they're a unit. Mm -hmm. But I will say, even within that unit... You get Justin and Brian dancing face to face, and yep. then the the other three guys are kind of just like around them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> even though we know Justin and Brian are not a couple, they're a damn couple. They're, they're yeah, a whole situation. I mean, they're definitely doing a bunch of coupley things. Yes, some type of <laughs> entanglement. Okay. Yeah, and for sure. Definitely. Yeah, something going on there. Uh, so while they're dancing, a guy comes up to Michael and just kind of grabs him and runs off with him. And takes him over to the bar, and he says, hey, let's go to the back room. And Michael says, you know, Michael's kind of flattered, you know, because the guys, you know, come and got him and, you know, thought he was hot or whatever, so pulled him over to the side. And Michael says, I can't. I'm in a relationship. And the guy says, I am too. So what? (laughs) I mean, you that's very common, though. (laughs) I didn't know it was so common back then, but nowadays, I mean, these married couples are very open relationship so yeah i mean the dude was in a spot on yeah to nowadays i can't i didn't know it was going on 20 years ago like that apparently so and then he asked well how long have y'all been together right because michael says we don't fool fool around yeah yeah, and he says how long have y'all been together yeah and and michael smiles he's happy five months you know yeah and the dude is like oh 
you'll that'll change. Yeah, you'll be it says wait a few more. Yeah. You will, you know, you will fool around then, uh, which I think is kind of interesting because you, in my mind, in my just like traditional thinking mind, I'm thinking, oh, the longer you're there together, the less likely it is that they would fool uh-huh. around. But he's saying like, no, it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's not for every relationship, but I think it's important that they were showing that for some, that is the case. Absolutely. Uh, so Michael leaves that. He decides, no, that's not for me. So anyway, he goes back over to, uh, he's going to go back over to the group. But after that, we see Justin and Brian coming through Babylon, walking together. And they bump into this couple that's making out. And Justin says, ugh, <laughs> making out on the dance floor. How juvenile. <laughs> yeah. He's, you know, college boy now. And so, yeah, he's so mature. Very. Like he's never made out on the dance floor. Not just in this episode, but, you know. <laughs> Ever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we find out from Brian that Justin has been accepted to Dartmouth. And so it's kind of like they're celebrating almost tonight because Brian's very, like, he's the one who announces it yeah. to the rest of the group. And he's happy. You know, he's proud of Justin. He really is. You know, because he's not just some young, dumb kid mm-hmm. who's trying to fit in. No, Justin came in. He, he had a vision. Like, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. I'm going to go for all my goals. And to get into an Ivy League, yeah. you know, like... I mean, that says a lot. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. Brian's very proud. Like, he's always appreciated and valued Justin's talent, like, with his art and his intellect. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's really intrigued by that. That's some of the, those are two of the things that make him um, interested in Justin mm-hmm. outside of just his physical appearance. Right. He really appreciates that this is, like you said, not a dumb kid. He's got a lot to offer. And I will also say, Justin is not clingy. I mean, he knows how to make himself fit into the group, yeah. but he's never been ultra clingy to any of them. You know, when you're young like that, you just want to latch on. He didn't do any of that. So yeah. Brian can see that he's a standalone and anything Justin does is going to be great. And yeah. you trust him. Yeah, because Justin is learning and growing each day, you know, uh-huh. in each episode that we get. And so in the beginning in 101, you know, maybe he was a little bit more clingy then, but he's quickly like, oh, okay, yep. this is how life functions. This is how you know, get some gay men my age operate. So, okay, I can adjust. And exactly. So, yeah, then he loses some of that clinginess. So, uh, he says, you know, he tells them that he's going to, well, Brian tells them that Justin's been admitted to Dartmouth and he's going to be a business major. But, um, and then Michael's like, oh, mommy and daddy must be so proud. And then, <laughs> Hating self. Yeah. And then um, my, uh, Justin tells them, well, I'm not going. I, I'm going to go to, I want to go to PIFA, which is, Pittsburgh uh, Institute of Fine Arts. It's an mm-hmm. art school. It's a fictional school. But what we <laughs> get is that it's not just, you know, your run-of-the-mill community college. Exactly. It's supposed to be like a nicer school. For fine arts. And you can see the the light up on Brian's face when he, he finds out that he's not actually leaving Pittsburgh. He's going to stay here. I mean, although he's, you know, probably a little disappointed that he's not going to go to an Ivy League, but he's going to the equivalent in their state, you know? Yeah. But I think for Brian, he sees, he values that Justin's going to do what is he right for him. He wants to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not what his parents or anyone else has set up for him. He's actually going to make, actually going to make his own path in his own way. Yeah. And I actually love that comment uh, when Brian does say, well, here I thought I was rid of you. And Justin goes, not until I say so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after they have the discussion about Justin and, and college, 
Michael tells them what happened with this guy who was trying to pull him to the back room. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, this guy told me to come to the back room. I told him I was in a couple. And like all the guys together say, and he was like, so what? Right. Yeah. They all like, go <laughs> for they it. They all know. Yeah. They're like, OK, go back there, whatever. And then he says, well, no, you know, David would be upset. And then Brian says, well, David doesn't need to know. Which, yeah. <laughs> Shady as hell. Oh, Brian. Again. I was, I was like, come on, Brian. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, if that's how your relationship goes, then yes, that's fine. Yep. You know, if that's acceptable in your relationship. But to just do it behind somebody's back when y'all have not had that conversation, yeah. if that's allowed or not. like no. It has to be established from the start. You know, what the ground rules are in that relationship. Yeah. If it's going to be open or if it's going to be monogamous. Right. And then the other thing is, this goes back to a comment we made um, in a previous episode. Like, Brian is speaking as a single man. Yeah, always. Who is determined to be a bachelor and do whatever he wants to do. So, he's not always the best at giving relationship advice. (laughs) I don't think he's... Even when he does give good relationship advice, he delivers it in the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He has to put that Kenny spin on it. Yeah. So there are times when you should, you can take what he says. There are other times like, "Mm, I'm just going to leave that on the table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But moving on. uh, So as they continue to dance, Ted is looking around and he spots Blake Mm. (laughs) up on the second floor there. And we have not seen Blake in a little while. And the thing about it is Blake looks different right here than what we've seen before. Like the first episode, uh, the first episode where we see Blake, he look he seems sober. Yeah, like, he was you in know? a he had a full yeah, shirt on. And there was a little bit of a shyness yeah. to him, you know, like he really liked Ted. He made that clear because he kept cruising him basically or kept looking at him. But um, he was a little bit shy, a little bit hesitant to approach him. And then the second time we saw him was in the bathroom. Which was sketchy as hell. Which, yeah, and because and, he seemed a little bit afraid. He was with some person and mm-hmm. they were like, who are you talking to? And uh, so, But this time when we see Blake, like, it's He was clear, doing the most. He is on something. Yeah, he on cloud nine. Yeah. I mean, the boy is jumping through stairs and, hey, you, like, I'm yeah. extra over the top. Yeah. I mean, he's on 1,000. <laughs> They're not even at a hundred. Yeah. Like, God. Um, and I really like how they shot this scene where the camera effects and the sound is weird to really give you that feel that Something's he's not like right. hopped up on yeah. something. Yeah. And so Emmett is kind of shielding Ted as Blake's trying to get to him and talk to him like, hey, let's hang out. And he's like whispering in his ear and he's really trying to make a move on him. And Emmett's like, nope, go away. So and he's pushing him away. what I love Emmett is that one friend that's going to let you, nope, you, what is it? What's that phrase? Um, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice. Or, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. He's not going to let Ted be shamed. Right. Like, you know, how you did, my friend, was totally effed up. We're not going back down that road again. Thank you. Nice to see you. Goodbye. Yeah. And that's how he treated him. Well, and Emmett very quickly recognizes the signs of crystal meth use. Yeah. He quickly recognizes that. And it's like, nope. Ted, you're not getting involved with that. And Blake leaves that alone. He doesn't want any part of that. So, yeah, Emmett yeah. is not going to stand for and it. And he has the right to feel that way. Yeah. I mean, he really does. I mean, is he overstepping his boundaries? Yeah. I mean, I think he is a, a little bit because Ted is a grown-ass man. But at the same time, clearly Ted is too nice of a guy, too lonely to say no, to right. push Blake away. because Yeah, and Emmett's thinking, okay, already once, like you said, he has led you back to you know, to your house and, mm-hmm. you know, he left you for dead basically is how Emmett still sees it. You know, we know that 
Blake did care and he was concerned and he freaks out and whatever. But Emmett's just like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah. He's no, like that, that parent. It's like, you hurt my son once, you're never coming back over again. Yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. You had one shot and you ruined it. Yeah. So then Brian approaches them and he tells them that he's leaving. He says, I'm, I'm leaving. And then Justin says, well, hold on. I'll go with you. And Brian tells him, "You no, not tonight. Uh, and so... It's kind of sudden that Brian just leaves because he was... They're having a good time. Yeah, they were having a good time. Mm -hmm. And he was there kind of celebrating what went on with Justin. But I think, like we said, Brian Moore has a back... You know, his... um, his story or his role in this episode is a little bit more in the background. Right. And so we don't get to see exactly what's going on with him. But I feel like it's probably because... He's there with Justin and celebrating him, and it's just like, okay, that's a whole lot of couple stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I need a break. <laughs> I got to do my 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 Brian stuff. Yeah, you know? I'm yeah. losing it. I'm getting weak. I'm getting yeah. soft. And so that's why he didn't want him with him <clears throat> that night because at, at this point we found out from Michael that he and Doctor David have been together for around five months, and right. so we know Justin and Brian have been doing what they're doing for even longer, longer. than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think it's just like okay, I guess what I'm saying is I think Justin. There are several nights when he comes home from Babylon yep. with Brian. And so some nights Brian's like, no, I should do my own thing. Exactly. So I think that's what's going on here because it does seem very sudden. Uh, so then we find him and what one of the guys refers to as the ninth circle of hell. <laughs> he goes <laughs> over to the baths. Yes. And I mean, I just love this scene. I mean, it set it up <laughs> so well. And for y'all who don't know what the baths are, it's the bath house. You, it's set up like a gym kind of thing. And you walk around, there's doors and rooms and different little play areas. Everyone's in a towel. And um, yeah, you just kind of touch, go, watch, walk. I mean, yeah, yeah kind of have a lot of fun. <laughs> so he's in there and he yeah. has all the little candy around him. Yeah. Oh, Babs. I love it. (laughs) So Brian is talking to this guy who you would not at all expect Brian to be talking to, but whatever. And um, the guy (laughs) asks him if he sees anything there. And he's like, Brian's like, nah, they're all markdowns. And uh, so he's just kind of, you know, walking around trying to find somebody that will be up to his standards. But uh, anyway, so back at Babylon, Ted goes to the, um, the restroom and when he gets in there, he finds Blake laid out on the floor. In his own vomit. Yeah. So we already know. But do we leave him like he left me? Or do I actually save his life? Because yeah. Well, nobody else in that bathroom cares. No. They're just like stepping over him. Everyone. Continuing to do what they're doing. Yeah. Even Everyone. the ones who are still over there snorting or shooting or whatever they're doing. by the, It's like they're not even affected by the fact that this guy has just passed True. on the floor. But it really shows... Um, the true depiction of of Ted's character. Yeah. I mean, how sweet and caring he is. Mm-hmm. Although Blake messed him over in the past and left him for dead and, you know, really didn't give him the the best, you know, in that, that yeah, situation. That, mm-hmm. But he was there. He tried his best to get him up, out, and to the hospital, which he did. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think he's shocked that nobody else cares. Like, even if you don't know this person, just where is the humanity? Yeah. <laughs> you I know, mean, just common decency. Yeah. Uh, so back at the baths, Brian is walking around and just checking out the scene still. And these two guys come up to him. And so they're kind of all over him, the front and yes, back. Uh-huh. They're all over him. And, like groceries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, just how Brian does. His eyes are still, you know, scanning, scanning the, room. the room, looking for the next person. And he uh, his eyes fall upon a very sexy back. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a sexy back, though. It, it yeah. was. He brought sexy back. Yeah. Okay. And so he walks over. They're like, mm, I wonder what the front of this person looks like, maybe. And he goes over there. <laughs> Girl, I hollered. Go ahead and say it. I hollered. Yeah, he whispers in the guy's ear. And he turns around. And it is Dr. Davis. Girl, my mouth dropped. I Hold the phone. I knew this was a... I thought this was a dream. Like, I'm... Wake me up. Pinch yeah. me. This is not real. <laughs> Damn it, Dr. David. All the time I've been fighting for your love. And this is where you at? <laughs> you in the bath without Michael? Yeah. And he over here turning people down. He ain't never been invited to the back room. Okay? <laughs> He's never been invited to the back room. And he turning people down for your ass. And you over here behind his back with your towel down. Yeah. And his and now his best friend then walked up on you. Yeah. How embarrassing that is that? That was very sloppy, Dr. David. You probably would think, Prime probably goes to the baths. If I want to hide this, maybe I should pick a different one. <laughs> and or, this man got some town. money. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm just saying, this man got some money. To get into the bathhouse, it is cheap. What is he doing out here in these little <laughs> cheap-ass spots? You a doctor, for God's sakes. Get it together. Yeah. So, Brian is equally shook. I will say that. And when he finally recovers, he goes, what's up, Doc? <laughs> I'm glad he hit it with that shit. Yeah. He probably had him shook because now he's like, oh, damn, is he going to tell Michael? Yeah. I, I got to tell Michael before he tells Michael, like, what's going to happen with here? I would have kept it going. Yeah. I would have kept it Well, and it I think, going. you know, you think about what Brian, what's going on in Brian's mind because Dr. David has been, at least to us, he has presented this, like, he wants this, you know, very, like, heteronormative, yep. monogamous relationship that's very traditional, you know, those types of values and things. And that's fine. That's what he wants. But then now Brian sees him at the baths. Yeah. A totally different light. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he was really into it too. It'd be different if he was walking around and kind of just browsing, getting his own little, you know, fantasy together. But (laughs) I saw hands moving. (laughs) Fast. There were hands moving. Okay. You wasn't just browsing. Yeah. You wasn't window shopping. Baby, you was trying on some shit. You in the fitting rooms. Okay, I, I, uh-uh. I'm disappointed. Okay, I am so disappointed, Dr. David. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, more has been revealed about Dr. David. Um, but he does have a sexy back. He I does have that. that, okay? He does have that. <laughs> mm. Um. So then uh, we see Emmett and Ted, and they're at the hospital with Blake. And, um, you know, they've taken him in, like you said, to get to get some help. Because, like, you know, like Ted just found him passed yeah. out. And Emmett's there, but he's more so there for Ted. Ted's really worried about Blake. And Emmett, it's clear that he knows the signs. And he said, so the doctor comes out. And he's like, do you know what he took? Do you know what he's on? And Emmett's like, it's crystal meth. Um, and he wants no part of this. Nope. Emmett doesn't. He's just like, all right, we brought him here. We did our good deed. Let's go. Like, we're done. Let's mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And so he he's trying to leave. And Ted's like, we can't just go. And Emmett's like, why? Like, why do you care? He's not your best friend. Like, yep. Leave it alone. Don't get yourself involved in this. But Ted can't do that. Um, and I don't think it's just because it's Blake. I think, well, not necessarily. I don't know. No, I think it's just because, oh, oh, oh Ted. Because, yeah. of, uh, uh, well, maybe it is. But... I think it is Blake, you know, as in they had a real connection mm-hmm, when they met. They mm-hmm. did. It was just very unfortunate how everything played out. Right. I mean, because Blake really did not drug him he just brought the stuff right and ted took too much because he wasn't used to that type of thing you know Mm -hmm. i mean what blake did when he ran off and left was that fucked up 
absolutely. Yeah. No, he I did mean, call <clears> the <throat> he did call the paramedics. He did, but still, yeah. He did. And Ted, I mean, he still feels that connection. Right. Every time he sees um, Blake, you can see that he kind of lights up. Yeah. He's apprehensive because of what happened, but he lights up. Mm-hmm. You can see it. And he's searching for love. And he actually right. had a genuine connection with this guy. Yeah. And he doesn't want to see him hurt. You know, he's young. He's good looking. And he always seems to be genuine when yeah. they're speaking. So Yeah. Well, it's like I said before, the first time he met him, he was sober, which means Blake really wanted Ted. Yeah. You know? And so that still that is still stuck in his mind. And so I think... That's why to now see him in this completely drugged out state is kind of like messing with with Ted's mind a little bit. So Ted stays behind. And then we go over and we see Dr. David getting home and uh, Michael's in bed and he asks him, how was your dinner? And Dr. David's kind of tense and he's giving him responses and answers like, how was Babylon? And, you know, that kind of thing. But. He's very tense. He's deflecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he that's really he, is. He's deflecting. And then he goes over to Michael on the bed and basically like pulls him up, and <laughs> pushes him against the wall. And see, this is what I don't like. Do not go out and be slinging your meat and kissing on and touching on somebody else, and then have the nerve to come home. He didn't even shower first. That's true. Okay, you have the nerve to come home with some other somebody else's stank on you. Yeah. You know? I don't know if you showered at the place or not, but you still came home right to me. Yeah. And what you do? You grab me. You're kissing all on me. You're sucking all on me. You know how many diseases can be passed? Really? Where are those lips at? Yeah. We don't know what all you did. What were you doing before Brian caught your ass? Because you was having a good time before Brian caught you. Like, I just thought that was scandalous. Yeah. That was trifling. And I'm done with Dr. David, Yeah, too. I think you're a little bit upset about Yeah. <laughs> you know, and y'all know how I love me some Michael. And Michael been annoying me these last couple weeks. But what you're not going to do is disrespect him when he didn't pass up his one and only chance in the back room and you out here. <laughs> Not his one and only chance. Yeah, well, you know, Michael don't well, get those invites. Was. Yeah, he don't he don't get those invites. But what you're not going to do is embarrass him out here in these streets. And now his best friend, who he had a crush on, basically got something over him. Not yeah. really, because he wouldn't do that. But, I mean, yeah. he put him in a crazy situation. Like, come on. I just, mm-mm. Don't come would home you, and do all that. Would you classify that as cheating? Absolutely. If you told me you was going to the back room, I mean, going out to, to the back house. Oh, yeah. Going, yeah. If you tell me you're going to dinner, but you really didn't go to dinner and you went somewhere else. Absolutely. That's cheating because you knew it was foul. That's why you didn't tell me where you were going. Right. If you knew I was going to be cool with it. Speak honest. Be up front. Mm-hmm. Don't don't hide. It's when you start lying. Now things don't look right. It looks real suspicious and suspect to me. Yeah, because now every client dinner you got, I'm like, okay, where are you really at? Exactly. That <laughs> part. And I'm going to find out. They lucky they didn't have tracked my iPhone back then. I'm low-key psycho with it. All right. So then we go over to um, the Novotny house, and we're there with Debbie, Vic, and Justin. And Justin is strolling down the steps after getting ready for the day. <laughs> and he... Um, has a letter from, he's received a letter from PIFA, a letter regarding his application. And he's opening that letter with, it comes to to Debbie's house because that's where he lives now. And so he's going to open that letter with them. And we talked about this, but I really, well, on the one hand, it shows the space that Debbie and Vic occupy in his life now Mm -hmm. because he's no longer at home. And so he's living with them. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. they're kind of his parents now. That's his family. And that's who he's going to, you know, either celebrate this accomplishment with or deal with this rejection with. And so uh, he's nervous. And so um, because a lot is riding on this, it's something that he really wants and is really wanting to go for. Debbie decides to read it for him. And we found we find out that he got in. 
It's awesome. Only thing I um I wish I could have seen in that episode, which I told you, I mean that scene yeah. when we was watching, if that moment could have been shared with Jennifer, mm-hmm. like she just did a pop up. Hey, Deb. Oh, Justin, you still here? And then yeah. they open the letter or something. I mean, I'm not a writer. I don't know, but <laughs> you know, I just wanted Jennifer to be a part yeah. of that moment. Well, so did I. And I, but I think that speaks to what has gone on, which it'll come up some more later in a different way, but. Jennifer doesn't really have that space in his life anymore because mm-hmm. Craig's rejection of Justin, really, you know, and so that is a moment that you would want to share with your parents. And I'm sure he wanted to share that with Jennifer, but because they wanted him to go to Dartmouth, it wouldn't necessarily be good news. Right. You know? Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, but I do wish that he could have done that. Like, I would like that for him. And I really think he would like that for himself. Yeah. But yeah, it is what it is with his is. parents right now. But uh, he's two for two, though. He really is. great schools. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So then over back at the hospital, Ted is uh, by Blake's bedside and Blake comes to and he is a little bit out of it. A little bit. That (laughs) boy is way gone. Yeah. And he's just kind of like coming back and he's like, okay, what has gone on? What happened? Why am I in the hospital? Did you catch that Ted was holding his hand? Mm -hmm, He was. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He makes even makes a little comment just dismissive, like, oh, it felt like the right thing to do or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ted's getting ready to leave. He's like, okay, the doctor's here. You were dehydrated. I'm going to go. And Blake's like, don't go. Please don't leave. And so Ted comes back. And then Blake asks if he has any candy. And <laughs> Ted says he has some lifesavers, which, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a little bit of a clunky line. But if anybody's got lifesavers in their pocket, it's Ted. Yeah, for real. <laughs> And you know what? I'm so I'm so silly. I did not even pick up on that lifesavers. Yeah. Girl, it's over my head. I'm I'm silly like that. That's hilarious. Yeah. He would have that though. He would. If anybody's got a lifesaver, <laughs> a roll of lifesavers in their pocket, it is definitely Ted. Um But why was he eating them up like that though? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he was very aggressively attacking those lifesavers. Oh, yeah. My God, I felt bad for his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because you don't just bite on off lifesavers no. like that. Lord, Blake, yeah. baby, calm down. Don't pop nothing else. Yeah. Um. So Blake asks Ted, did you say the whole time? And then Ted tells him that he did. And but he also left at 6 a.m. to get clothes because your clothes were filthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you know he cares. Yeah. Okay. I st- you don't stay overnight at the hospital for someone. You don't leave to go home to your house to get clothes to come back to wait to hold right. their hand when they wake up. Mm-hmm. If that's just for some random. You don't do that. Like... You did your deed, like Emmett said. You brought him to the hospital. You told a doctor what you knew. You did right, your part. you're done, technically, He yeah. stayed. You know what I'm saying? So it showed that his heart is there. And yeah. I don't think he would have done that for anyone else. Yeah, I mean, like no. his core friends, yes. He would have brought the people to the hospital, but he would have left. Right. I think so, too. Especially because what we've seen of Ted is kind of like, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do, but yeah. everybody else, I, like, that's on you. You're yep. on your own. Yeah. Uh, so then... Ted is telling him that he's free to go home and then he's like, you know, basically where? where? Yeah, where to? Where is home? Is what Blake is saying. And he tells him that he was evicted last month and that he's been staying with friends. And so Ted tells him, well, you know, maybe they can be there for you, help you or whatever. And he says, you know, they're not that kind of friends. And that makes me sad for Blake. Yeah. Because you can kind of see that's probably why he got in that predicament. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to the last time we saw him. Those were the friends he was talking right. about, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been, they looked very sketchy. He was in the bathroom. Um, I think they were doing drugs in that time too. They came out of yeah, the little stall been, or yeah. something. So, um, 
those friends, and it's a lot of those in the gay community here where we are, um, they're not the beneficial friends that you right. need, you know? Well, even when we saw him at the club, he was up there dancing with other guys who were tweaked out just like he was. Yeah. Um, which we know that Brian and um, to some extent Michael and, you know, whatever. They dibble they, and dabble. They will dibble and dabble, but mm. they are all looking out for each other, yeah. you know? Because that's what something Brian says in one of the early episodes. Like, you don't do drugs, you know, with someone who's not your friend. Like, yep. and I mean, your real friends, you yep. know? And so uh, Blake is embarrassed by all of this. And Ted tells him that what I see is a sweet guy who has problems and needs help. And then I think just having somebody who cares and somebody who is showing this genuine concern and care for him causes Blake to break down. And he's like, I'm going to stop. You know, I want to mm-hmm. stop. I'm going to stop. And um, and so then Ted is there just kind of comforting him. And I think that's something that's so real and so honest about addiction. It it does produce this Jekyll and Hyde thing in a person. Yeah. You know, where, and Ted has now seen both sides of that. He's Absolutely. seen Ted. I mean, I'm sorry. He's seen Blake at a at a really good moment and then at a really low moment. Mm-hmm. And in this low moment, we get the purest form of Blake, I feel like. That was honest. Yeah. His eyes were telling the truth like... Addicts, they really do want to stop. Yeah. But I mean, the cravings just call them in mm-hmm. so strong sometimes. And if you don't have a great support system around you, I mean, you crumble. Yeah. And you can see Blake truly asking for help. Yeah. <clears throat> like, I don't want to go back to the streets. I don't want to go back to those people. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have my best interest. Help me, basically. Yeah. And I, I really believe him when he I said, I, I'm going to stop. I really believe him. Now, we know that's a hard, hard battle, but I right. really believe him I that he too. wants to. Yeah, I can see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. So over at the gym, Brian, Michael, and Emmett are working out, and uh, Michael is telling them about the night he had. He says that Dr. David came home from dinner, and <laughs> he was all riled up, and mm. you know, we had I a really why. great night. Yeah. And Brian's like, mm, why was he so turned on? <laughs> because I'm irresistible. Yeah. No, Michael. It's not you, babe. Yeah. And then I think it might be Emmett who says, well, he finds everything he needs at home. And Brian's just like, uh-huh, sure. <laughs> For real. But big ups to Brian, because I don't think I could have held that secret. Yeah. I think I would have spilled that tea. All right. <laughs> well, it's a tricky thing because, okay, if I'm friends with both people... Maybe Brian I just, is not friends with right, both people. But if I were, I would maybe if I was friends with Dr. David and Michael, I'd maybe go to Dr. David and be like, look, does Michael know where you were? Because I don't think he does. Mm-hmm. And you should probably tell him. Mm-hmm. You know, be honest with him. Uh but yeah, I don't know. I wanna believe I would, would not you, say anything. You wouldn't? I don't know. Oh my God. If we got fifteen years of friendship, no, Michelle. I'm saying, well, I would make sure you are informed. Yes. Now whether it's me going to them and telling them Hey, you need to go tell him. If you don't tell him by this point in time, right. then I'm going to say I will. something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I can um, dig that. I can yeah. dig that. But it's one of, yeah, it's one of those tricky things. Yeah. I don't know. You know it's me. It's not tricky for you. <laughs> you know me. I would have been like, I would have wanted to held it. But once Emmett would have been like, he gets everything he needs at home. Well, you know where I was last night. And guess who I saw? Well, he was getting something at the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Did he bring some treats home? <laughs> Because I saw it with a handful. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just let a hand in the cookie jar. So as they're having this conversation, Ted comes in and says that he's been at the hospital with Blake. And then Emmett is like, okay, now tell me that's it. Tell me you say to make sure he came to and that, you know, he got discharged or whatever. And then that's it. Well, Ted can't say that. And Mm-mm. so then Emmett says, tell me you didn't take him home. And 
Ted can't say that either. And Emmett storms off, and yeah. as he should. As a worried um, friend and a caring friend, I think you got to give tough love sometimes. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Emmett hasn't given Blake a chance yet. He hasn't had a conversation with Blake. Right, All he, he knows it. is the negative. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. So then Justin is uh, over with Jennifer at his family home and he's sharing his news with his mom there. So he does get that moment, but it still doesn't have that. It's not the same as when, when he was sharing first it. Open with, that right. Letter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so what we find out is a super competitive school, a great program. And I think it was like 70 people were admitted of all these applicants or whatever. So this is a, a very big accomplishment. And and she was happy. She's happy. But then she but, says, yeah, she, but your dad's expecting you to go to Dartmouth. This is like, Jennifer, I love you. I really do. But sometimes yeah. just parenting fails. <laughs> yeah. Wrong time, girl. Yeah. Wrong time. And also, do you think Justin really cares what Craig wants for him to do? No. I mean, Craig wanted him at home. Where's Justin? Mm-hmm. Like, let's get it together. Yeah, because, I mean, it's been, I'm going to say, at least three, probably four months that yeah. he's been living with Debbie and Vic or, you know, Brian or whatever, you know. The crew. Yeah. He's been living somewhere over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the Taylor home. Um, so, no, I don't think he cares. And so Justin knows that. He knows what the ex- expectation is because that's probably been there forever. If if Craig's there, went there and he's alumni, then... As soon as he had a son, he's probably thinking, my son's going to follow in my footsteps. You know, Mm -hmm. his dad owns a business. And so he's thinking, I'm going to leave that to Justin. And Mm -hmm. so he's been trying to groom his son. And so he's still trying to control that part of his life, keeping that expectation on him. Mm -hmm. So then they kind of, Justin knows what he wants to do at this point. He wants to go to uh, PIFA. Um, And so then Sue shows up and we find out from Jen that Sue is a, a realtor and that she's listing the house. And Justin's like, what is going on? Yeah, like, why is she here? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this is this is what I love about Jennifer. We never knew she had right. other things going on, mm-hmm. you know? She's been trying her hardest to find out how to connect to Justin, you mm-hmm. know? What can I do? I'm going to go to all everything that he's doing, all his shows. I'm going to try to talk to Debbie and find out how I can connect to him because, you know, she is experienced in this category. Right. You know, things like that. But we never stop to think... How's Jennifer feeling? You know, how's Jennifer doing? And she clearly has a lot going on. Yeah, because I'm sure, like, and we've commented on it, I'm sure there were other things going on in addition to Justin coming out and all of that stuff going on. But Jennifer is very much pulled in two different directions mm-hmm. because she's got her husband, she's got her son, but also she's got her daughter, Molly, yeah. who we all forget about. But <laughs> um, she has another kid there, too. And so... She yeah, she is pulled in a lot of different directions mm-hmm. and yeah, we don't really get to stop and think about that much. True. Yeah. And so she actually breaks it to Justin that um Craig and her are divorcing. Yeah. Yeah. She struggles for a little while to get the words out, but she finally just says, We're getting a divorce. Yeah. And that leaves him shook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I don't think he was ever expecting that. He knows his family has issues, like all families, but he I bet he didn't think Right. You know, his parents. Because up until this point, this last however many months, Justin's home life has been perfectly fine and normal, at least for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now then to find out that his parents are getting divorced, that's, that is a shock to the system. Yeah. So over at the diner, Dr. David and Michael are there and they're having breakfast together or something like that. And Brian shows up, moves Michael out of the way, sits in the middle. Loved it. <laughs> yeah. I'm 
here for the pettiness. <laughs> yeah. You know, Brian Kenny is the person that you do not want to have. You don't want him to have anything on you. <laughs> Nothing. Because you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. Or how he delivers it. Mm-hmm. So he sits in between them. And, um. Yeah, he says, Michael tells me that you two had, like, a wild night. (laughs) (laughs) Michael said you had dinner with a client. (laughs) So he he tells this story about this duplicitous client that he had in in his life. And, you know, basically, he's, like, poking at Dr. David. Uh Like, hey, you need to come clean. You need to be honest with Michael. Yeah. Or I know what's going on with you. Does Michael know? True. And... Dr. David manages to get through this, this I don't harassment. Know how. <laughs> yeah. And Michael should pick up on something because I feel like David is being over the top sweet. Mm-hmm. He's always sweet, but he's just being way extra. Yeah, I think Michael just kind of like us wouldn't just doesn't expect Dr. David to, right. to to have gone there to be there to do that. Yeah. So then they go outside. Brian's out there, and um, well, Dr. David's out outside, and Brian goes to join him. And they have a conversation there, and uh, Dr. Dave is explaining himself, and I only go sometimes, and I don't do this while mm. I'm there. I only do this. And Brian's like, do what you want to do. Like, I don't care about that part, but just don't hurt Michael. Exactly. Yeah, and, and Dr. David says, I don't intend to. But then he asks, Brian, do you? And I guess he meant, like, are you going to... Tell him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Like, Brian, it's not Brian's place to tell him, so I don't think Brian would ever tell. Right. But... You know, like he said, don't hurt him because I'm going to be picking up all the pieces. Right. I've been dealing with this man for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that's this is, his friend. Yeah, he this is my best friend. You may think that I treat him fucked up, but I don't. You right. know, like this but is But when it comes dynamic. down to it, yeah. I got his back. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. But you've been here for a split second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Five months. <laughs> I've been here for 15 years. You know, like yeah. get it together. Exactly. So then they Then they leave. Kind of leave it on that note. Uh, and then we see Ted getting home from work or wherever he was. And Blake is in the kitchen being Henry Homemaker. He's got a nice meal going. He's got candles burning. And I think when Ted walks into this, first he's, you know, kind of shocked that Blake is up out of the bed because, right. you know, he just saw him at the hospital. But um, I think also what he's seeing is what life could possibly mm-hmm. be, you know, what he could possibly have. Come home from a hard day's work. Food is being um, yeah. cooked. You got music going. Mm-hmm. A um, person there who cares about you mm-hmm. and ha- no- has done all this stuff to welcome you home. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, so Ted goes and Blake's like, the food food's almost ready. And he asks him to put on some music. And so he hits play on the CD. And of course, it's opera because this is Ted. <laughs> and we find out that it's um an, op- an opera called La Traviata, which... I'll comment more on in a later episode. Um, <laughs> and he Blake asks, what, it's, what is it about? What is this lady singing about? And he says, it's a lady who is a, a, a courtesan, is what he calls her. And he was like, what? What is that? <laughs> yeah. And he says, the story is that she just met this guy, and he likes her, and she likes him, and she's wondering if she can give up her life to be with him so basically in regular terms she was a slut okay (laughs) but she meets a good guy Mm -hmm. and now she has to make a decision if she's going to you know leave that fast life out there hoeing to actually come (laughs) over here and get her man yeah so So it's really the perfect parallel for the blake and ted Ted. exactly and blake loves that he loves the idea of that and he says well does she do it and then ted says well she gives it a shot 
So and I love that ending. Yeah. But it let you know right there, he's willing, he's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Like he's here for it. She gives it a shot. I love that. Yeah. And so they have a a little there's a moment where Blake is pouring some water into some glasses for them before <laughs> before dinner. And Ted has a flashback and kind of tenses up. He's like, oh no, not the water again. <laughs> and Blake can see it. He was like, Yeah. It's only water. Yeah. I mm-hmm. died. I was on the floor. Yeah, but I like that they that Blake did comment that they could yes. acknowledge the elephant in the room. Yeah. It's like, it's only water. Like, this is fine. Because like, I'm not drinking shit from you no more. Don't pour me <laughs> nothing. I don't know if I'm even eating this. What is this lace with? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but they get through that moment. And um, Blake tells him that the dinner is a thank you and that he really wants to do more to to thank him. Because Blake is still interested in, mm-hmm. in Ted. And that's going, that goes both ways. Uh, but when you look at Tail, you can see that he's a little bit nervous, a little bit unsure, a little bit skeptical. And just also, he's probably thinking, I don't know if Blake is in the right yeah. headspace mm-hmm. to be making these kind of decisions. And not that he's taking advantage of him, but, but you just, you know, I think Ted's like, I don't know if I need to start moving forward with this because he's still unsure in yeah. some ways. It's fresh. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. although he wants to do better. He's not clean. You still yeah. got to go through your withdrawals. You haven't been um, um, hit with any pressures yet that's going to make you want to fold to go back to that life. Right. I mean, Ted has a professional lifestyle. Can he even deal with that? Yeah. Well, I think for both of them, it's like, is this something I can take on right now? But they are attracted to each other. And so in that moment, they decide, okay, they we're going They pick up it. where they left off. They do. That's exactly <laughs> what they do. <laughs> Uh, so then we go over and we see Melanie and Lindsay, and they are just being sweet big sisters. They bought Justin an art kit um, as a congratulations for getting accepted into the Pittsburgh Institute of Fine Arts. And Justin opens it, and he's looking at what they gave him, and he doesn't really know how to respond. Mm-hmm. And so they just kind of like, oh, well, he's just shocked, or he's still taking it all in. And then he tells them, I've decided not to go. And I love how they, they didn't press him i was a little sad this episode though um because that was the only scene yeah that we got Lindsay and mel <laughs> and it yeah. was really short but it was them being cute i love to see that they yeah um, okay they ju- they're just now back together yeah. that's right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they rekindled they was doing all that cute kissing it yeah. was fun mm-hmm. it was flirty it felt really youthful mm-hmm. and fresh again yeah. and um i think they needed that little time apart but it's not about them so yes <laughs> <laughs> when they bring in the gift you know you could you could visually I mean um yeah visually see that he was happy with the gift like he was torn yeah he was picking up each and every brush yeah he's it's rubbing his, his hands over yeah. them he's like I would love to be able to use these absolutely I mean it's his passions but now his heart is torn mm-hmm. he finds out this news from his mom mm-hmm. he already knows the expectations from his dad mm-hmm. like. He probably feels it's him. Like, if I would have never came out and caused this trouble this year, they would still be here. My mom, you know, put herself in front of me. And now this caused a rift. So now I got to fix this, you know? So Mm -hmm. he's given up on his own dreams, his own passions to try to make them work. Yeah. Over at uh, Dr. David and Michael's house, Dr. David is sitting on the couch and he's reading or pretending to read. And Michael comes in and notices that something's up, something's going on with him and he's being all like cutesy and Michael about it, you know, uh, not just been like, Hey, what's going on? You're being yeah. weird. Um, and Dr. David says, I should have told you the truth about last night. And he tells him that I went to the baths. It's not something that I do a lot. And he tells him it's the first time that I've gone since we've been together. And Michael is not hand- taking that well. He's like, aren't I enough? Yeah. Like, yeah. He immediately withdraws. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. 
once he withdraws, like he has a million questions. You can see the fury over him, the hurt yeah. over him because he's given his all to Dr. David. Right. I mean, he's curved a sexy guy for Dr. David. Mm-hmm. You know, he's changed his whole life. I mean, he went back and forth with his own emotions. Like, should I even do this? And you're telling me you're going to flat out lie to my face and go to the bath? Like, come on. Right. Yeah. And just, yeah, like, that's not the kind of relationship that I thought we had. And so we asked him, like, why would you do it? And Dr. David says, well, I think it's the thrill. And I want I want them to find me attractive. He says, sometimes I just need to be on my own, like, do things on my own. I can dig that, though, because you kind of go through that when you're in a relationship. For one, they're too early on to be feeling that. But when you're yeah. in a relationship, relationship Sometimes you need that outside approval. Doesn't mean you're going to go out there and do it. He could have went to the bar and got picked up. You know, mm-hmm. he did not have to go to somewhere that's when you at the bathhouse, you know exactly what you're there for. Yeah. And, and, it, and you're already half naked. So he didn't have to go there to get that, you know, gratification. You know, the same well, Michael you still got, got it, it at Babylon dressed. when he's wearing what looks like a teenager's t shirt. Thank you. That <laughs> some part. Cargo pants. That part. So, I mean, I kind of understand where Dr. Davis is coming from, but yeah. not really. Like, you didn't have to go there. You went there with the intentions of if you see something you like, you're going to get it. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so things are, they've got to have some more conversations mm-hmm. is how they, they leave that. Uh, then over at Emmett's apartment, Brian, Michael, and Ted are there. And Michael is telling them what has gone on with Girl, Dr. David. <laughs> why he tell them so soon? Okay. Because <laughs> that's Michael. Yeah. Like, damn, you didn't even wait 20, you didn't wait one hour. Mm-hmm. He stormed out of there and went right over to them and told them everything. As if they're not going to have your back. And when you with this man tomorrow, because you didn't forgave him, yeah. now your friends look at him crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, then one of them makes a comment, well, I guess he isn't perfect after all. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, and they actually have a really interesting conversation here because I know that there are people on all, like, there are a million different opinions on what a committed relationship should look like, depending on, on the couple or the people involved in it. Uh, and so... Emmett is saying, you know, Michael deserves someone who will cherish him. And then uh, Brian's like, well, what did you expect? That you're going to be monogamous forever? Like, Mm -hmm. to Brian, it's like the craziest idea in the whole world. (laughs) And then Emmett comments and says, you know, well, yeah, you're just playing into that homophobia or whatever. Like, just because we're gay, we can't have a long, serious monogamous relationship. And just this whole conversation that they're having, I think, is very interesting Mm -hmm. because... Then Brian and Ted are saying, well, you know, no, it's not because we're gay. It's because we're men and men and monogamy don't really mix, which is not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's just a really interesting conversation. It's always that chatter. You know, you always hear that. Mm-hmm. You know, men are always, boys going to be boys. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, like, I'm glad they're addressing that, you know. Mm-hmm. And also there's that stereotype in the gay community where, oh, all go- they are going to hoe around. You know, right. there is no um, relationship that long. Literally, when I tell people, you know, how long of a relationship I've been in, they're like, what? That's yeah. ancient. Like, how? <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's like it's something unheard of. You yeah. Know? You can make it work. You got to have those ground rules. Not trying to say hiccups aren't going to happen, right. but you have to set those ground rules, you know. Yeah. And so I yeah, I thought it was an important conversation that they had, but also they never came to like a set resolution. Like we yeah. got to hear what Brian thinks, which we already knew. We got to hear what Emmett thinks, what Ted thinks, and what all the guys thinks, what all the, what they all think. And but the show didn't force us to pick a side. Right. And I I like that. Cuz I can kind of agree with every single one of them. Yeah, like yeah, there's something mm-hmm. to what each of them are saying, I think what you said, uh, there's something you said that's very important, and I'm going to circle back to that. 
uh, here in just a minute. <laughs> uh, so Michael goes on kind of whining about this. And I mean, he's his whines are valid for the mm-hmm. most part. But he's talking about this. And Brian says, well, the two of you should just establish rules on what's acceptable and what's not. And that's mm-hmm. what I was referring to earlier. Like, if you say this is allowed, this is not allowed, then you give that person a choice to decide okay, that's something I can live with or it's right. not. And that's the conversation that was missing. Mm-hmm. This, I feel like we say this a lot when it comes to Dr. David and Michael. There are conversations that were missing on the front end. Yeah. They get into a mess and then they then, have the conversation. And it's, we always say it's David. Yeah. yeah. David never had these conversations. He's good at playing recovery. Mm-hmm. He, he never, I, I bet in David's mind, he probably thinks it's better to ask for forgiveness than the permission. permission. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that's definitely how he, it's like he didn't even, the, the thought to even ask for permission like doesn't even cross his mind. Yeah. yeah no, and it not just mind. this, this That's why he made that lie up. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's true. But what Brian is saying is valid. Like define what commitment looks like for you and your, your partner. Uh, and that might look like what everybody else has or it might not but Mm -hmm. you know it's important that y'all have that conversation so yeah that's brian's advice just decide what y'all can live with and what you can't and then go on from there well michael says well i can't i can't deal with that like i can't be in a relationship that's that way that's open that's not monogamous i can't do that and brian says well end it if you think if that's such a big deal to you and to brian what dr david did was something simple not the lying part but like the actual action at the Mm -hmm. at the baths it's like well just end it if you you know my thing is I don't care about the bad things because, like I said, hiccups may happen. It's the fact that you lied. It's almost mm-hmm. like premeditated. You know, like mm-hmm. you knew you were going to do that. Why lie to me? You took my choice away. It's the lying part. Like I have to be able to trust you. Right. <clears throat> and not just sexually, physically. I need to trust your mental mm-hmm. mental state. So that's where I am with it. It was, yeah. the, it was a lie. You created this whole story. And yeah, well, and so you, that, that's how you know, like, you knew that your actions were questionable. Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't have lied about it if you didn't think they were questionable. Yeah. Uh, but as they're leaving, Brian and Michael are going out and they're talking and it comes out that Brian already knew about this. And mm-hmm. he's like, Michael, where did you think I went last night when I left? Dr. Davis telling you he was at the baths. Of course I saw him. And so Michael asks him, did anything happen between the two of you? And Brian, of course, says no, but... I'm kind of, I don't know. It's kind of just that yeah. Michael would ask him that, like, I don't know. Does that tell us something about the way he sees Brian? Um, Duh. He knows who <laughs> Brian is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But surely after they've been together five months, surely he would know that Brian wouldn't do that. But <laughs> uh, he just need reassurance. Though, yeah. Because Brian so. always gets what Michael wants, you mm-hmm. know? So I think he just needed reassurance that. Brian, you did not do this to me. Yeah. You know, like, it's bad enough that he's, he's done this to me, mm-hmm. but you didn't do it to me, did you? Yeah. And thank God Brian did. Well, because... if they do address the issue of what, why Brian didn't tell him, and, my, and Brian says, well, if I would have, you would have thought I was just trying to break you all up. Which is true. Brian would have been... <laughs> That's I mean, what Michael, Michael would have thought. Yeah, yeah he would have. Mm-hmm. He would have... Bl- I'm tired of this. You're yeah, always he'd have stormed into yeah. his Captain Astro bedroom. <laughs> For real. He would have. I can totally see <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And then he says, but also, like, you do what you want. It's your relationship. Like, it's not my job, not my role to be getting in between the two of you. So, mm-hmm. you know, you know, whatever y'all decide to do, like, that's what you do. Yeah, I'm glad he stayed out of it. I yeah. am too. He had way more restraint than I would have, but I'm glad he <laughs> stayed out of it. Uh-huh. So then we see Ted going to get gas and he can't find his wallet. Mm. And so he is like, 
Oh, no. So he rushes home and he's looking everywhere and it is nowhere. He cannot find it anywhere. So That's why you don't judge a book by its cover. Okay. Yeah. Just because, you know, I smoke a little meth don't mean I'm stealing. Okay. <laughs> oh, Blake. Well, I could be. You yeah. never know. Uh, so Blake comes in. He's got this CD. And um, he tells him, like, I asked the guy at the store and uh, for a good opera about a slut. <laughs> and he <laughs> says, so he gave he recommended this one. And then Ted's like, well, how'd you pay for it? And he said, well, because uh, he told Ted he didn't have any money. And he says, well, I had a friend. I found a friend who owed me some money. I got it back from him. And uh, Ted's not buying it. He's like, give me back my wallet. He's like, you think you must think I'm so pathetic. And then Blake's like, I didn't take your wallet. I don't have it. I don't know what you're talking about. And Ted is like going off. I have never seen this side of him. Mm-hmm. Normally I'm like, poor Ted. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time Ted was on a rampage. Yeah. I mean, he was pretty hurtful in, yeah. in what he was saying. And I think that, yes, he's upset with Blake because he's thinking Blake stole his wallet. But he's upset with himself. Like, I let this happen to me again. Like, yeah. Emmett told me this was going to yeah. happen. You know, how can I trust this guy mm-hmm. again? Like... You almost killed me, and now you're stealing from me? I've, I've been the only person right. there for you. Mm-hmm. So he felt hurt and betrayed. Yeah, and a, and a little bit embarrassed, yeah. too. It's like, how foolish of me mm-hmm. to buy into those pretty eyes and blonde hair yeah. and those words again. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, shame on me. Exactly. Um, but it's just sad. I'm sad for Blake in that moment, and also a little bit sad for Ted, because, again, it does point to his insecurities as well. Me too. It didn't help, though. He had Emmett this whole time. You know, in right. his ear, feeding him negativity about Blake while he was trying to be positive the whole mm-hmm. time. So the one mishap, yeah. you know, he automatically thinks, you know, oh, he was right. Yeah. You know, this happened to me. Yeah. And he's just hurt that because he thinks that Blake has done this to him and he's hurt that Blake would do that. He's like, I I really cared about you. I thought you really cared about me. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, a lot of hurt going on in that scene. I just didn't think he didn't have to go that hard. Right. Blake, right. You know? Uh, so then Justin gets home, uh, and Debbie is in the, down there sewing, <laughs> downstairs sewing, and Debbie tells him that she found his sketchbook in the trash, and Justin says, well, I'm giving it up, and Deb says, well, wait a minute, you're an artist, mm-hmm. and you have a gift, she said, that's who you are, like, being an artist is who you are, and Justin's like, well, I'm not doing that, I'm gonna get an MBA, that's what my parents want, and Debbie tells him, well, it's your life, Justin's listening to this, but he's saying, I've already caused him so much trouble. And he tells Debbie, like, they're going to, they're getting a divorce. And Debbie says, well, you didn't break up their marriage, but, you know, don't mess up your life and trying to mm-hmm. fix their problems. You know, so she gives him really good advice there. I think she always gives him really good advice. She's always so um, even headed, level headed. She can see both things because at this time, a uh, stage in Justin's life, He's really, again, like we always say, coming into his own, discovering who he is. So he can be really hard on himself. I'm glad she looks from the outside and like, hey, this is not your issue. Focus yeah. on you. You know your heart. You got to trust yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's kind of leaves him to, to simmer with that. Um, then we see Michael, and he has arranged to meet up in this cold park with this guy, <laughs> the guy from Babylon. And the guy's like, so now it's okay? And then Michael's like, let's just not talk about it. Let's just, let's just do it. Let's not talk about it. Uh, and so then we, the scene ends with them kissing. They're yeah. outside. <laughs> I mean, come on, Michael. Two yeah. wrongs don't make a right. Well, it's, yeah, and that's what I feel like. So I'm mm-hmm. like, now then, is this cheating? Yeah. I, and then, like, even if he told Dr. David what he was going to do, if you're only doing it to get back with him or get yeah. even with him, like, that's just as no, petty. It's, and, it's, it's, 
Real petty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you also use this guy, you know? Right. Because you have no emotional attachments. You didn't even want to be with him in the first place. Yeah. And now you call him out the blue. Yeah. And true, he was just looking for a hookup. But it's like, but don't pull me into your relationship drama and yeah. mess. Like, don't do that. Because two days ago, you was not with it. Right. And now you, you got me out here in the yeah. snow. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, mean, yeah, so what's up, dude? Yeah. Uh, over at Emmett's place, Ted is come there. I guess everybody just goes to Emmett's house when they're having relationship issues because now Ted has come to uh, Emmett's apartment to tell him what happened with with Blake about the wallet. And Emmett's happy because he's like, finally, you see what I've been talking about. You've seen the light. You're over Blake. So he's like, this is great. This is good. And Emmett's just put on a fashion show during all this as Ted is like pouring out his heart to him. And it's like, oh, well, it's all good now. You left him in the dust. I just want to stop you. We will not Say, see the light <laughs> ever again. I, know. I don't want to see no damn light. You know what I'm saying? No flashlight, no nightlight, none of those. No I don't lights. see any of that. No but yeah, lights. he's put on that full fashion show and he's hitting him with that I told you so. Mm-hmm. And he's sad because, you know, Ted is still trying to justify. Well, he looked really sad yeah. when he was telling me, oh, that's because you were going to cancel all the cards before he got to use them. I mean, he doesn't have like not one inkling of yeah. hope for Blake at all. Not like, at nothing. all. Yeah, but Ted is not so eager to to write him off. Uh, yeah, because like you said, he is just like throwing up, well, what about this? And well, I did notice that and maybe it was just this. And Emma's like, mm-mm, move on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> for real. Dismissed. Yeah. yeah, so then they decide, Emma's like, let's just go to Babylon. Get your mind off of it. And so they, Ted gets up about to, gets up to, to leave, to head out to Babylon and he finds his wallet there in the couch. Yeah. Yes. Um, how stupid do you feel now? Yeah, probably regretting some of those words. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so now he needs to find and apologize. He needs to find mm-hmm. Blake and make it right. I mean, even if it doesn't work out, you right. still need to even say if you're your not going to pursue a relationship. Like yeah. the right thing to do at this point is to try to. Yeah, yeah. At least. At least apologize. Yeah. You need to reconcile something. Yeah. Uh, so then we do go to Babylon, and Emmett's. They're telling Brian what's happened, getting him caught up. And also just, I guess, Ted and Emmett are continuing their conversation. And they tell Brian, Emmett tells Ted, well, so you misjudged him. So what? And then uh, I want to make a little comment here. I love Brian in that red shirt. No, (laughs) Brian was killing. Yeah. No, he was. Yeah. Uh, But so the three of them are just kind of talking about, well, this is what happened. And yeah, so that's that. And then we see Justin over at the bar and he's trying to get a beer from the bartender and the guy won't serve him because somebody remembers Justin's not 21. <laughs> yep, finally. Yeah. I am so happy this man did not serve this boy no damn drink. Okay. Yeah, at least not directly. Yeah, not directly. Um, and so Justin's like, oh, gosh, you know, what do I have to do to get a beer around here or something? And Brian comes over. And so Brian does give him a beer. And some kind of way, Brian has heard about... Um, Debbie what? told all. Oh, you know, tea. Debbie told <laughs> word verbatim because he hit him with exactly what he told Debbie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, Debbie called him and told him probably Lindsay called him and told him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will say this was my favorite scene of the night. Although I like yeah. the ratchet and juicy, this interaction this between scene. Brian and Justin literally literally had me so emotional yeah it was a small little snippets from brian that we we never get to see we always talked about oh my not never 
but you know, spirit, uh, sporadically, we get to see these little mm-hmm. softer sides of him. And we always say he's like an onion, how we, we're peeling him down, where we have got down a whole layer. Because yeah. this one scene, we got to see a different version of, um, of Brian. It was sweet. It was honest. It was encouraging. Um, but pick it up. Yeah. And we'll go through, even if we don't get to it right now, we'll go through the dialogue of this because it's so important what the exchange that they're having right there. So maybe we'll just give a general overview. Maybe we can come back to this one. But, um, and the thing that I love how this even starts, like, you know, like I said, Justin's trying to buy this beer. He's had a hard day. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm at the club. I just need to unwind a little bit. I want, give me a drink. And the guy won't do it. But Brian comes over and he gives him one. And I think in a very subtle way, this is Brian treating Justin as a man. Yep. He's always treated him as a man. From that first night, mm-hmm. he's never treated him as a 17-year-old or as a, as a kid. You know, mm-hmm. he's always t- treated him in that way. Um, and so I think in just that very subtle move by, by getting him that beer and sliding it over to him, he's like, all right, let's talk man to man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, uh, like, I'm going to be straightforward and be blunt because you know, that's who I am. Exactly. So, I'm yeah. not going to sugarcoat mm-hmm. shit. Let's go. What's going yeah. on? And so, I mean, and Brian just leads out the gate with it. He raises like, Hey, let's make a toast to Dartmouth. Mm-hmm. And Justin's like, I'll drink to that. And then Brian's like, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after all the trouble I went through to make you the best homosexual you can be, like, Basically, you're just going to give up on all of that and do what your parents want you to do. And um, he's like, you know, he's kind of like telling him all this stuff. Like, I, I this is what I taught you. Didn't, I, didn't we talk about this? And this is not who you are to just be folding, you know, when there's some mm-hmm. pressure. And he's like, how can you even look me in the eye? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's like, you're going to give up everything. Um, and Justin is kind of trying to explain himself and defend himself and he does make a comment to Brian just saying like you don't know all the whole situation because Justin feels like it's within his power to help reconcile his parents marriage yeah. he feels like I can do something to you know for them and to make things right for them because he feels like he's responsible mm-hmm. and he's like Brian you don't understand that because you've never wanted to do that or been able to do that for your parents um but I think Brian does understand that in some ways because I'd imagine as a child, even though it didn't work, he, he probably always tried to make Jack happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nothing ever was good enough for Jack. Exactly. So I do think he can relate. But I think the main thing about this whole scene, or one of the main things that I pulled out from this whole scene is, and we talked a little bit about this, but usually Justin is the one having to go and build up Brian, having to read him and yes. break down his barriers and how he talks to him. But this time we get to see Brian can read Justin also. And he says the right things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it doesn't sound fake. It doesn't sound forced. I mean, he knows exactly what to say to change his mood around. We always see Justin do that to Brian. Mm-hmm. But it was wonderful to see Brian do it for Justin. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody always has this, oh, Brian cares about no one, only himself. But he truly cares about his friends and Justin. Yeah. Yeah. And so he says the right things, uh, like the perfect things for Justin, even when he brings up their first night together. Mm -hmm. And you made a comment as we were watching it. You said, oh, he made him feel good because he referred to that night and knows how special that night was, how important that night was for Justin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brian's led us to believe and Justin to believe that he can't remember anything about it. But clearly that's not true. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, he knows just what to say to be able to open him up a little bit to be able to get in some truth while he's talking to him. 
Uh, so Brian basically tells him, um, you made this decision to live, to live who you, to be who you are, to live your life. And then he's like, now there's no turning back. And so they go out to the dance floor as Forever Young is playing and the confetti's <laughs> falling. And yep. it's just beautiful it is. to see them in that moment. And I love that song just in general, but I love it for this moment too, because uh, here's Justin who has his whole life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much at that young, optimistic, like full of hope and, you know, just wonder. And then even Brian, in some ways, he, I think to him, Forever Young is not just about an age thing, but it's just that. It's a spirit. It's, yeah, it is a spirit of just mm-hmm. like, I'm living a life that's true to who I am. You mm-hmm. know, the freedom to make my own choices, to be who I am and to not have to def- to defend that. Yeah. And so that's something that he, it's a code he lives by and he's trying to teach that code to Justin also. And, and I love when he said, after all the things I taught you, yeah. you know, Brian is teaching him to be independent. Mm-hmm. He's teaching him to be strong. He's teaching him that the world is not always going to give you what you want, but you have to make the best of it. And it's how you weather that situation, yeah. you know, and how you come out and rise above. And I think that Justin takes everything he says and Im- implements that into himself. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, even though Brian is repeating a lot of what Debbie already said, I think hearing it from Brian mm-hmm. is a little bit different mm-hmm. um, for for Justin. Because his Deb, when she says it, it's coming from a motherly thing. Right. And no child always wants to do exactly what they, their right. parents are saying, you know. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the person he loves or the person he trusts and knows that he can yeah. always come to is telling him an exact same thing. I mean, yeah, in, in a man to man conversation, yeah. not a I'm your mother, you do what I say, mm-hmm. but just like, a, yeah, we're equals and we're going to, yeah, we're yeah, having this kind of toe to toe conversation. I feel like we have to just dive deep into that conversation. So let's listen to it. I said, I want a beer, not with an ID. You have to fuck to get a goddamn drink around here. Me, to Dartmouth. To your bright, shining future as Pittsburgh's new Andy Carney. I'll drink to that. Only I thought you were going to be the next Andy Warhol. I changed my mind. And after all the trouble I went to to make you the best homosexual I could, I can't believe you'd blow it. And with the flimsiest excuse, I've caused my parents enough pain. How can you just stand there and look me in the eye? It's true. It's bullshit. They cause their own pain, just like everybody else. And now you're gonna give up everything you want just to make them happy. That is totally fucked. Shut up, Brian, you don't know anything. I know it's scarier finding your own way than doing what's expected. I'm not scared. You're fucking terrified. Just like the night you met me. I was sure you'd come back home. didn't you said i'm going with him i cannot believe that you remember that considering you couldn't remember my name and look what happened i turned into a big queer yeah lucky for you otherwise i wouldn't be wasting my time it's too late now there's no turning back. Brian starts by making this comparison between Andrew Carnegie and Andy Warhol. And of course, one was a famous businessman and the other was a famous painter. 
And and basically what he's pointing to is two proverbial roads diverging into a yellow wood, I guess, uh, because there are two different paths that Justin could go on here. And one is driven more by what he feels he owes to his family and the other what he deserves and owes to himself. And so that's what Brian's going to address with him. And so he starts out by saying, after all the trouble I went through to make you the best homosexual I could, I can't believe you'd blow it. And on the flimsiest excuse, I've caused my parents enough pain. And then he is like, he's so frustrated, not well with Justin, but, with, but just that Justin would, I guess, cower to that situation or that he would cave to that situation. And he says, how can you stand there and look me in the eye? And Justin turns directly towards him, looks him right in the eye and says, it's true. Like, yeah, what you heard from whoever you heard it from. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, and I think Brian's so upset because he feels like he really has been trying to show Justin the ropes and not just how to be a stud on Liberty Avenue, but just how to live in the world and even within yourself as a gay man. And so he feels like he's invested a lot of that. And to see him letting that go is very frustrating for him. And so not only is he putting his needs, his wants, his desires, and his happiness second to the situation with his parents, he's also taking on the blame for what his parents, for their divorce in the first place, which we know Brian's history with his parents. And so he's not going to tolerate this. He's not going to stand for this And so that's why he tells Justin, no, your parents caused their own pain, just like everyone else. And now you're going to give up everything you want just to make them happy. So that's messed up. Like, you know, they are choosing to live their life and they're going to they're making decisions based on what they want to do with their life. And you're free to do the same. And so he just gets very frustrated with Justin, you know, sacrificing what he wants and giving up his own life just to make them happy. And we know how Brian feels about that because he grew up in a home where he felt like, that's what his mom did, but it was still never enough. And so I think that's what built that mantra in him. Like you have to do what makes you happy. What's true for you. I think he learned that at a very young age. And so now he holds very tightly to that conviction. And that's something that he's trying to teach Justin as well. You know, over the course of the season, there are some things that he's been trying to teach Justin that may not be the healthiest lessons or the best advice. And even if um, they work for Brian, they may just, They just may not work for Justin because they're two different people. But still, this is something that he believes in strongly. Like you live your life according to what is right for you. Because at the end of the day, you're responsible for yourself. The person that you have to answer to is yourself. And so Justin, it's frustrating. It feels like Brian's not even considering his side of it. So it just tells him, you know, shut up. You don't know anything. And here, Brian softens a bit because he was kind of, you know, being very direct, but he softens a bit here. And he says, I know it's scarier finding your own way than doing what's expected. Because what's going on in Justin's head right now is he feels very guilty about this. He feels like even if there were other things going on before, he feels like him coming out could have been just the straw that broke the camel's back. Just kind of like the final thing to push his parents over the edge. And we know that despite Craig's behavior, Justin still loves his dad. I mean, this is still a, a fairly new wound, even though it's very deep. It's a fairly fresh wound that he has with Craig. And so he still loves him and he can't completely just write him off. And so I think that's why he's willing to do this because he cares about them and, and his little sister also. And he's not that far from removed from the life he had in the Taylor home with his family. He's not that far removed to just be able to not care and have no concern about any of that. And so then when Brian's in his face 
yelling at him for doing what he really feels is a very mature and grown up, you know, sacrificial thing to do, but but sacrificing out of love, not out of, I guess, a little bit out of obligation too, but they've not come to him and given him an ultimatum. This is something that he's choosing to do because he loves them. And so when he feels like Brian's attacking him because of that, then yeah, he gets angry. And so like I said, Brian does soften in his response to him. And so maybe he can't relate to the exact situation because, um, well, we talked a little bit about that, how in some ways he can relate, but maybe if it's not an exact, um, an exact comparison, he does understand how difficult and how scary and intimidating it could be to do your own thing, to forge your own path in the world, because you imagine what path would have been expected or projected for Brian by his parents and even probably people who knew his his whole family dynamic. Uh, and so for him to forge something different, to go in a different direction, I'm sure that that was scary and intimidating. So he can relate to that. And I think that's what he ultimately wanted to to show Justin. He didn't want to shame him because of the choice that he was making. He just wanted to help him in this decision and encourage him to, no matter what, even if it's going to suck or if it's going to hurt, or it's going to cause you to people or relationships or whatever to be left behind, he still wanted to push him, hey, go be the best version of you that you can be. And so Justin responds by saying, I'm not scared. And Brian says, I know you're terrified, just like the night you met me. Uh, and he says, I was sure you'd run home, but you didn't. You said, I'm going with him. And there's just a hint of a smile on Justin's face because he's not ready to give in just yet. So he, you know, we see he's, it's about to be a full smile, but he reins it in pretty quickly. But, you know, Justin says, I'm not scared. And we know him. This is something that he said many times, like, I'm not crying. I'm not, you know, a wimp. I'm, you know, I'm not scared, this sort of thing, because that's his personality. And he's not going to admit defeat that easily. And he's not going to admit weakness that easily. But then when Brian is responding to him, he brings up that first night that they had together. And that's just a very clever move. And, you know, that because that first night was very special for them and, and for Justin too, it was very important for him and not just because of the journey that he would go on to have with Brian and, you know, up to this point. But uh, that was just... Him saying, this is who I am. This is what my life's going to be like. I'm going to do this. And so what Brian is doing is trying to put him back in that place, in that mindset, in that place where he was able to say, no, I don't care. I'm going forward. <laughs> like, even if I'm going to be shaking in my boots while I'm there the whole time, like I'm going for it because this is what I want. This is important to me. And so Brian's just trying to remind him of that inner strength that he has. And then Justin says, you know, I can't believe that you remember that. But Brian does remember it because even though he was a little bit out of his mind, there are things that he can recall specifically. And so, you know, he's kind of accomplishing two things here. He's showing, I think in a way he's showing Justin, hey, I see you. I'm aware of you. I'm learning you. But also, like I said before, he's just reminding Justin of that determination, that inner strength that he has. And Brian says, and look what happened, you know, after that night, look what happened. And Justin says, well, I turned into a big queer. And Brian says, yeah, lucky for you, or else I wouldn't be wasting my time. But it's too late now. There's no going back. So several things in that last part of their conversation, Brian tells him, and look what happened. So he's just saying, hey, yeah, this, your decision has come with some costs, you know, there've been, there's been some collateral damage to it, but 
you are living your life as yourself. Like you can stand in the mirror and recognize the person looking back at you because you said, I'm going to do what's right for me. And so that's a good thing. And part of that is Justin living out as a as a gay man. And Brian tells him, you know, I wouldn't be wasting my time if you weren't, if you were going to be some like timid kind of closet case, I wouldn't be wasting my time with that. And he tells him, but it's too late now. It's an, you can't go back to before that. You can't go back to being the person who was too timid and afraid, the person who lived in uncertainty, who lived um, just with this inner turmoil, not being true to who they were. You can't go back into the closet. You can't go back and undo all the things that have happened in the last several months. It's too late for that. But Brian says that like, it's a good thing. Like, hey, you shouldn't regret that. Like, that's a good thing that you're not in that place anymore. You don't have to go back to that place. And then he tells him, and then and there's no going back. And so here you are at this place and there's no going back from here. So you might as well continue to move forward in this path that you're charting for yourself. And then he pulls him out to the dance floor. And I love that Forever Young is playing here. To me, Forever Young is a celebration of the possibilities of life. It's about the determination to face all that life could bring and There's a quote, and I can't remember who said it. Of course, I can't because I never can. Uh, But the quote is, you get one wild and crazy life. How are you going to spend it? And um, I think that's perfect for this moment. The soundtrack for Queer's Folk is dope music. It's all very smart and very deliberate. And in this moment, Justin is making a huge decision about the trajectory of his life, not just where he will go to college or what he will study. It's much deeper than that, much bigger than that. He's deciding if he's going to put his own hopes, dreams, and convictions above everything else. Is he going to cower and hide himself away to make other people happy? Is he going to be the one to make decisions about his own life, hoping for the best, understanding it could be worse? Will he approach life with wonder and excitement of um, of someone who is young and not jaded or cynical, someone who has that just kind of mindset of being forever young, this incredible lust for life? Will he go forward with that? And so going back to when Brian says there's no turning back, I think that's true for for both of them. There's no turning back for either of them. And I think what Brian is saying and just leading him out to the dance floor and just kind of sealing that conversation that they had with this dance between the two of them is saying, hey, whatever is to come in the immediate future, we're in it together. (laughs) We'll dance through the minefields of life together and individually as two men just deeply convicted to be who they are and to live what makes sense for them. So yeah, again, absolutely love this conversation. Yeah. So we leave that great scene and go over to Michael coming home and Dr. David is there organizing because he's stressed and worried. (laughs) And uh, he's not that happy that Michael has been out. And he asks, you know, where were you? And Michael tells him that he hooked up with the guy from Babylon And they went to the guy's house and things were going on and Michael got uncomfortable and was like, asked the guy to stop. And then Michael left. And um, let me just finish. Let me me interject. David over here fishing for compliments. Why why did you stop, Michael? Yeah. (laughs) He wanted him to say, because I love you. And I realized he was the same shit that he was searching for at the baths. He just wanted Michael to tell him in that moment. Yeah. Like, stop, boy. Yeah. And then, well, Michael's answer is, it didn't mean anything to me. It was, it was just sex. He said, 
he doesn't need or want that. You know, for Michael, that's not something that right. fulfills him. That's not a need he has for those for that empty kind of action. And um, he says, you know, I'm not necessarily saying we have to, we can't do that. Because David's like, well, I won't go anymore. I promise. And he's like, well, you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. He says, because, you know, guys slip up and we should be realistic about it. Which, like, you commented, that's very mature for Michael. I'm not 100% sure that I believe Michael when nah, he says it. <laughs> I don't either. I don't think, I think it was a, a mature thing to say. Mm-hmm. And he made David feel better. Like, hey, you made a mistake, but I'm still here for you. Yeah. Don't make promises you can't keep because, you know, mistakes happen. We're human. I get that. But. Michael don't believe that. No, because I think were a mistake to happen, uh, Michael might not be so. Yeah. yeah. No, no. <laughs> He's saying that in a moment because two wrongs will make a right and they both went out there looking stupid right. and made a mockery <laughs> of their relationship. They they did, yeah. Um, but... And yo, I swear, I'm not this judgy in real life. No, but he's I'm, really I'm attached, not. I'm attached to these characters. I know, we love them and we're like, yes. stop doing that. No, for real. <laughs> They're like family to me. Yeah. Uh, so, they do get it together somewhat and Dr. David says, hey, you want to help me get things back in order? So, uh, here they are again, you know, and that that is one good thing I can say about them, even though they continue to have issues we see them cross the hurdles that, yeah. that pr- sometimes they're throwing the hurdles in front of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, but we see them cross those hurdles and, and keep moving forward. Um, so, yeah, the jury will stay out on that um, <laughs> on that relationship. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it just didn't sit too right with me. Now I can see because I love the fact that Dr. David was perfect. You know, <laughs> like you always want that cookie cutter man, yeah. like the one that can't be corrupted and then to see that he was flawed kind of like broke my heart a little bit like yeah. i'm not gonna give up give up yeah i said i was done earlier but i'm not yeah but well, we had to see him be human yeah so. i don't know which we've seen it in other ways too but this was just a, a very like whoa yeah not I mean, I unexpected yeah, I yeah. Be not expecting that mm-hmm Damn, that was yeah. like almost him hooking up with Brian. You know, like that was breathtaking. <laughs> yeah, just very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over in Justin's room, um, he's sitting there alone. And uh, as it's a kind of magic by Queen plays, which is a great song. We love Queen. We're both yes. huge Freddie Mercury fans. Just wanted yep, to slip yep, that in yep. there. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, uh, so Justin's sitting there and he's looking at his letter from Dartmouth. And... I think he's just kind of like processing his own thoughts and what other people have said and what's going on with his family. And I really like that Justin makes this decision on his own. Cause it, cause if he'd have made it when Debbie was like, you're going to do this. And it's like, okay, well he did it because Debbie said, do it. Mm-hmm. Even if he was like, after talking to Brian right there in Babylon, he told Brian like, okay, yes, everything you said is right. I'm going to go. Like then it would still be a little bit seem like it did was I because do this of Brian. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I love that. He took in what everybody said, plus what he was thinking, what he was feeling, and just sat there alone in his room, you know, and made his decision there. Because then it's like, I made this decision for me based Mm -hmm. on what I felt like I had to do. Um, And so he's sitting there with that letter, like I said, and he just happens to get a glimpse of a jacket hanging on the back of his door, a denim jacket. And for anybody else, that's like nothing. But I think this points to the fact that he is a true artist at heart because they find inspiration in the smallest of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so something that simple and just like he saw it and was like, I have to draw that right now. So he turns over the letter, the Dartmouth letter, acceptance letter, and 
starts drawing, starts sketching this jacket, and it's like, how can you deny yourself that? And I think that's what he knows. I can't exactly. deny myself that. Yep. And I love that's how they ended it. Like, yeah. they told you his choice indirectly, you know? Yeah. Like, I love it. His pa- passions is always going to trump everything anyway. Right. Well, and it wasn't out of defiance. Out of, I'll show you, Craig yeah. Taylor. It uh-huh. was, this is who I am. This is in me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm yeah. going to live according to that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and he would have been miserable leading that business world. You yeah. Know? He has too much personality, too much charisma for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he needs to be flourished in the arts. Yeah. So. I absolutely think that Justin's intelligent enough and would be great at, at that, but that's not where his passion lies. And so, mm-hmm. no, don't go pursue that. Yeah, you live think, your life. Yeah. I just think that would have dimmed his shine. As yeah. in, like you said, he's an intelligent guy. He's already been around that world his whole life. So I think he would definitely fit in perfect. Mm-hmm. But. It's just not for him. It's not for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he's got a choice, and he does, is what he's realizing in the end of this episode. He does have a choice. And yeah, I think if he's got a choice, he's got to choose what's right for him. Absolutely. Well, guys, I believe that wraps it all up for this episode. And um, for our new listeners, if you haven't already, please go to www.LibertyDonnerDish.com. Go ahead and like and subscribe on our webpage. Leave us some comments. You also can find us on Apple Podcasts. I mean, just tune in. We want to hear your feedback. Like we always say, we love hearing from you guys. Um, Let us know what you want to hear or what you expect back from us also. I have a little plug for you guys also. If you want to get a little more of Ken, I am starring in a mini series on YouTube. It's called Broken Pieces. Alrighty. Thank you guys. This was um, a wonderful episode. And until next time, we are out. Bye. Bye.